Okay, welcome Dan John to No Excuses Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. Okay, so the viewers don't know you, but just give a wee brief indication of who you are. Sure. Well, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I am a senior lecturer at St. Mary's in Twickenham, London. Uh, I was a discus thrower. I still Olympic lift. I, I lift in oh, four to six meets a year. Um, grandfather of three, uh, delightful grandchildren. Grandchildren are great. Um, I've written like 14 books and I've published, honestly, it'd have to be in the thousands of articles. So yeah. yeah. Okay, so plenty of experience and history there, you know. Yeah, a little the, bit, yeah. Uh, the fitness industry. Um, yeah. So we're going to learn about your journey, where it all started. So we're going to go back to your school years. So what sort of sporting activities were you involved in there? Well, I mean, it was, I, was, I was lucky in a way because when I, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as, well, at least in my world, no one specialized in sports. I mean, that was just not done. You played whatever it was time of year. So here in the States, um, I played American football in the fall. I wrestled in the winter. I did track and field in the spring. I was a discus thrower and a hurdler, uh, which is interesting because um, I learned a lot about sports being a hurdler. And then in the summer, I played basketball and I was a keeper in uh, soccer football. Yeah. And uh, actually, in, in some ways, I wish I would have stayed as a uh, as a goalie, as a, as a goalkeeper, because uh, I was really good at it. And I was very aggressive and uh, I was, I was a lot of fast twitch. So, you know, yeah. And mm -hmm. when, you know, when you, when you uh, hit uh, a soccer football player, they, they don't like it. And so it was really <laughs> a good thing, you know, and I, and I, and I said terrible things to them as they would walk away. And it got inside their head and it worked and it was fun. Um, I started Olympic lifting in 1975 when I met Dick Notmeyer. And then within uh, very quickly uh, because of Dick and um, my ability to throw the discus, I became a division one discus thrower and MVP, a most valuable player for Utah State University and paid for all my travel and all my education. And here we are um, 46 years later, you know? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you happen to have any challenges growing up? Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're a blue-collar family. Uh, my dad was a Teamster, uh, Teamster, uh, truck driver. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had six kids, and the Vietnam War was raging when I was growing up, and I had three brothers go to Vietnam, and two came back disabled, and their, their professors called them animals because they fought in the Vietnam War. It wasn't like now where every every freaking American, if they ever wore the uniform, is a hero now. Back yeah. then, they they said terrible things about the Vietnam vets, and you know we were against the war, but it didn't matter because you know we were we were just a working class family in the draft. All the here in the states, you know, uh, it was easy to get out of the draft. Like that Trump guy pretended to have a Trump didn't even know why he he was four F the doctor lied about him having a bone spur but trump didn't even know it as you know and then you know yeah. there are all these so many of these people now who are you know so pro-military you know they were all anti-military during this. it was a tough tough time and uh but sports was the one place that was safe uh, my dad yeah. loved baseball uh we watched sports we played sports and sports was safe 
uh, it's interesting because you know people talk about well i don't want my son to play american football because it's so violent and i'm like well you know my brothers got drafted and sent to vietnam where they got blown up and shot at what's you know yeah you, you've got two in fact uh, up there in glasgow you've got two rugby teams right uh, and so we've got we've got the glasgow warriors rugby and then yeah. we've got edinburgh city as well oh okay okay i thought there was two rugby teams in glasgow okay. uh, we've got two football teams we've got you know so- soccer teams you got two Not soccer even. teams there's like the rangers and the Celt- celtic <laughs> celtic Celtic, yeah. Okay, Celtic. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Historically, it's Celt. It should be Celtic, but I guess now we've saw. They used to be called the Franks. Now we call them the French. So I guess we have to soften everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I yeah. I know Michael. I yeah. And that that actually a very ugly rivalry, right? Well, as it definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen the Warriors play. I don't not. I've I've seen them on television for sure, but. I want to think. I think I might have been to a game. I'm a big. I'm a big uh, rugby fan. Uh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, big rugby fan. Um, yeah. So you know, it's interesting because you know some parents will say, "Well, rugby's too violent." And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And it, it, yeah, rugby's violent, but you know, then you send us off to wars. So it's <laughs> yeah, crazy. So yeah, now you, you asked me about you know difficulty. You know, I was the youngest kid in the class. I was the youngest boy in the class. So I was always you know. I was, you know, I didn't have the advantage of, you know, being older. Uh, I hit puberty late because I'm Irish, you know, the Irish don't hit puberty until they're, what, 40 or something like that. Uh, so I was always the smallest and shortest. And, but I think that actually helped me. In fact, I would even say now it was an absolute advantage to be yeah. in, uh, because I was always sprinting to keep up with my older brothers. I was always sprinting to keep up with my teammates. And when I finally did hit, you know, um, one of my classmates, his birthday is today. And we talked about this at our reunion about um, everybody had this image of me. And then one day they all kind of turned and went, holy shit, this guy's huge. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and what was nice is that, you know, uh, a lot of my friends didn't lift weights because they were already better than everybody else. So they didn't have to lift. Uh, I spent, you know, you know, for every hour they were drinking and kissing girls, I was lifting weights. And so when, when I caught up, I shot ahead. So, yeah. and I'm not, so and that's one of the hardest things with females. You have to be kind of careful when you coach because a 13 or 14 year old female athlete, the, very often when secondary puberty kicks in, you, you, they have, they struggle for a couple of years kind of because they're, you know, things change yeah and so very often you know if you have a 14 year old uh you know a bunch of 14 year olds playing soccer football or any sport you you might get this weird idea about how they're doing because you're going to have a year or two that's going to be kind of different with boys you know you got a 14 year old boy you know little freddie and hi coach (laughs) you know three or four years ago from now he might you know he's going to be massive and well conditioned and all the things so you have to be that's why I, one of the things when you when you coach teenagers, you really have to just sit, you you can't make decisions. You got to be very careful about cutting athletes, about making long term decisions because this kid or that girl, this boy, that girl might be radically different in two or three years. Uh, both good and bad, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And also too, a lot of the kids here in the States, especially, and I'm sure you have the same problem over there on the islands. Um, you mentally have this kid as Hall of Fame, professional athlete, you know, a cover of magazines, supermodel girlfriend, and it's as good as he's ever gonna be is at 14. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid next to him, the kid you're like, well, we'll keep, we'll keep little Scotty around, you know, and then three or four years later, it's like, whoa. And then of course you have to pat yourself on the back as a coach <laughs> and say things like, oh yeah, I saw that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I had, uh, your question was, did, did I have issues? Yes. Um, I'm very candid in my books about it, uh, about issues with my, my father, of course, all my dad, all of his friends, all my uncles were World War II vets. Um, a lot of them saw horrible, horrible things. And uh, so I've always given them a, a pass. And my brothers, they were Vietnam vets and they saw horrible, horrible things. So I give them a pass, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was a rough time, but you know. No. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we had, we had three meals a day, uh, a warm bed to sleep in, uh, plenty of books to read, and outstanding education and an opportunity to do anything I wanted. So overall, I'd say I was pretty lucky. No, good. And then, excuse me. <coughs> the, so how did it become that, you know, fitness became your career? I don't know. <laughs> when my aunt died in 1965, we, my brothers went to the store and bought a weightlifting bar. And I still have the booklet. It's in one of these shelves. Uh, and uh, they brought it home and I just fell in love with the book. I, I fell in love with the barbell. I bought my first strength and health magazine. Uh, those, those are all my, those are all my magazines from my yeah. uh, growing up. And I, I bought the first one probably 1967, maybe I was 10 and I just loved it. I read every page. I actually believed what they said, which I've learned not to anymore. <laughs> uh, but it was great about the nice thing about reading magazines, Strength and Health magazine and some of those others. You, in Britain, they had some good magazines too. In Great Britain, yeah. Um, was it, They only came out once a month. So if something was too stupid, you know, it only, it only hurt you for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Where now on the internet, you know, you can fall in love with some idiotic training thing and find a community and just wreck your body forever. Yeah. So we, we only did stupid stuff for a few weeks before something new came out. But uh, strength and health basically said, you know, if you Olympic lift, if you power lift, if you, it's strength and health. So you also focused on clean eating and alcohol was bad for you. Smoking was bad for you. Your, your listeners are too young. <laughs> to know this but when i was young there were still people who who said that smoking cigarettes was good for you yeah and it wasn't unusual for me to come into my house and literally everybody to be smoking yeah everybody and parties you had ashtrays everywhere uh even now i can pick up a camel unfiltered cigarette smoked the whole thing and not even be bothered by it i grew up with a lot of tobacco in me <laughs> uh, so when you would say something like the importance of sleep or sunshine or not smoking or not drinking when i was 10 years old that was kind of unusual to say yeah so 
for yourself, Dan, what does fitness mean for you personally? Let's let's hold up. Oh. Let me. Uh, so you asked about my career. I yeah. have, Scotty. I've been in love with weightlifting and health and fitness and all that stuff. The the. I mean, some of my most prized possessions are books that I've had for 50 years. Yeah. I just, I just love it. I've read books so many times that the covers have come off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that they, they just, the, 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 the track and field Omni book by JK Doherty, that it just, one day it just fell apart. Yeah. And I've shown people this book and they're like, God, would you throw it against the wall? No, I just kept reading it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, when you say a word like fitness, there's four things that come up. The first is health, which is simply, I use Maffie Tone's older definition, uh, the, the, the optimal interplay of the human organs. So that means that your, your lungs are good, your pancreas is good. You, know, uh, you went to the doctor, you got a checkup, you went to a dentist, got your checkup, you went to the eye doctor, got your checkup, and everything's okay. That means you're okay. Your yeah. blood tests are okay. And that's what health is. The mistake we make in fitness, this field, the industry a lot, is we, we, we look at some of the six-pack abs and say they're fit. And that's just not true. The next word is fitness. And that's simply the ability to do a task. Uh, when people say that this person or that person is the most fit person in the world, I think it's stupid. Because yeah. if you throw the discus 75 meters, you're now the world record holder. You're the most fit discus thrower in history. I mean, if you're too tired to walk out of the ring and you have to, you, you, you pass out after you throw and you fall asleep for 10 minutes, you're still the most fit discus thrower ever. Yeah. And that is it. I mean, I don't care. Uh, and then two other words pop in. And the next one's longevity, which is a quantity and quality issue. And that's important to discuss both. Uh, my family doesn't have a lot of quantity, but I'm, I focus on quality. And then the last word is performance. And that's when someone says your name, you step up and you do something. So fitness and performance are not the same. And that's the mistake. I think I call it the workout that shall not be named, but you can guess X fit. Okay. Uh, this idea that you compete every day, very odd, which if you compete, compete every day, you flatten out and you become very medium, you know, um, when I'm working with people, you know, there are times where, well, and to have superlative performance in Olympic lifting or uh, track and field, or, or it means that, you know, for a long, long time, you had to build up qualities, qualities and qualities. And so finally, when the official says your name and you walk in and there's all the pressure from the crowd and the other competitors and the name of the event, maybe it's the nationals and the world championships to put it together then and to throw this amazing performance or to jump it or to do whatever that is radically different than just showing up and, Oh, look, I did more burpees than Scott. Yeah. No one cares about burpees ever. No yeah. one cares. Oh, look, we're going to lunge a hundred meters. No one cares. That's not an Olympic event. Yeah. Run a hundred meters in with, a, you know, and finish with a nine seconds in your number, then to come talk to me because I'm impressed. 
Yeah. You know, I don't care about anything else. Yeah. No, good. Um, and then, so for yourself over in America, obviously, you know, we had COVID, right? Mm. So how, how did you deal with, um, I don't know how you guys had, if you had lockdowns or, you know, yeah. things shut down over there. Yeah, I was in, uh, I took the, I took the first lockdown extremely seriously. And uh, I, uh, because I have, you know, I have grandchildren um the first lockdown before this is you know i mean we're gonna actually as a community we're gonna have to have his like we're gonna have to look at a documentary to remind ourselves about covid in the same way i lived literally day by day through the vietnam war we because i had brothers over there fighting um, yeah so i've actually had to watch documentaries as an adult to put that part of my youth into perspective yeah so in a year or so i'm gonna have to watch a documentary on the lockdown that's going to be an hour hour and a half so i can figure out what i what we did yeah you're gonna need some historical so you know not only do we have this we don't know where it came from and then uh the trump administration's response was to say embarrassing um is an understatement you know he politicized vaccines and that is going to be a health problem that some people will never recover from. Some people are dead, yeah. by the way, and that ends a lot of arguments. Um, you know, if you decide to not get vaccinated and you died from it, well, that's yeah. just Darwin. Um, I did it. I, I vaccinated as quickly as I could because I feel like as a public figure and I sort of am, I need yeah. to lead from the front. But I also have grandchildren uh, that I want to make sure they have a good life. Um, my mom, you know, of blessed memory, she died 41 years ago. She, you know, she grew up with lots of friends who had polio and they had polio and they had withered arms and their legs were in braces. And if you would have sat, if my mom was alive today and you said, well, this disease is around, but I'm choosing not to get vaccinated. My mother would beat the crap out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Because my mom was a tough old bird, World War II, Depression era, you know, just an ass kicker, uh, Irish, you know, just an <laughs> ass kicker. But uh, yeah, a lot of bad came out of it. A lot of people, if you had a problem going into COVID, COVID exacerbated it. So if you were drinking, you became a day drinker. If you were a dope smoker, you became a wake and baker. That's what happened here in the yeah. States. If you are a right-wing nut job, you became more of a right-wing uh, right nut job. If you are a left-wing nut job, you became more of a left. Yeah. It really, it really, really dialed up yeah. people's. And so for me, um, I decided there are only two things I can control. I can control my finances and I can control my physical. So since January 1st this year, I've lost uh, 16 kilos, uh, I, I, not all fat, uh, as I've noticed when I do my pressing, but I've lost because I can control my body. Yeah. I've decided to get in the best shape of my life at 64, which can't happen, but I'm going to try. Um, I'm trying to expand my business interests. I'm trying to uh, save more money. I'm trying to you know, be smarter about things because I, that's all I can control. Yeah. So that's what I decided to do. Um, 
relationships got destroyed during COVID. Um, a lot of bad came out of it. Would you say that, um, you know, obviously COVID and, you know, lockdown, I think a lot of people realised that, you know, put things into perspective a wee bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Just to... No, I do think, and I can't help but be this way, uh, Scott, you know, when, when I was a, a history teacher, students would say things like, oh, this is good or bad about history. And I'd be like, well, I mean, you might say that, okay, World War II is a good or bad. Well, all I can say is this, at a USO dance, it was a, a organization to support the troops. Um, a Canadian immigrant by the name of Albert John met an Irish immigrant by the name of Eileen McCloskey and they dated and then he went off to the, and then when he came back from the war, they got married. I'm their sixth kid. Yeah. No World War II? I don't know who you're talking to today. <laughs> <laughs> Some other loser, I'm sure. So I, I, at my soul, I believe that something good always comes out. Yeah. Um, so see over in obviously the States, um, during lockdown, I'm obviously guessing that gyms were shut as well, yeah? Uh, it was difficult. Uh, kind of. Now remember, we're 50 states. Yeah, yeah. And it's only when people want bad decisions that we let the states decide. Okay. So um, gyms in Utah could stay open, but it was very difficult. They had to jump through so many hoops. Uh, my gym stayed open uh, because everyone's vaccinated Yeah. Uh, as soon as possible. Uh, we do have some cancer survivors that we make sure we do extra things for just to make sure they're safe. Um, yeah, but here's the thing. For once in your life, there was no argument about having enough time to exercise. Yeah, no, totally. For one time in your life, you couldn't say that I don't have enough time to read books. Yeah. So in the past year, years, uh, um, I don't think there's a room in my house that I haven't decluttered and remodeled. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a, a book I said I was going to read that I didn't read. I don't think there's, uh, I worked out seven days a week and I continue to work out seven days a week. Um, I tell people you should eat a lot more vegetables. It was interesting here in, this, in Utah is you couldn't find a frozen pizza to save your life, but the vegetable area was full. Yeah. Um, you couldn't find a bread or a candy product to save your life, but the vegetable and fruit area was full to the brim. <laughs> so I think what a lot of people did is <laughs> a lot of people, yeah. So, you know, they, yeah, we yeah. can, you can argue all you want about, you know, we can't get this, we can't get, there was plenty of food. Yeah. Uh, totally. if, if, so I up my, I started fermenting food on my own. I started making my own sauerkraut. Uh, I, I, I eat kimchi now twice, three times a day. Uh, so yeah, uh, basically I stopped drinking. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not against alcohol, folks. Please don't think that. I'm yeah. not against anything. But it was a good time for me to say, okay, let's 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 rethink this. You know, toolkit. Yeah. yeah. And then, if I was to say to you, you know, with gyms, you know. Obviously, some states, gyms closed, etc. But obviously, we're at the stage where we can reopen gyms, you know. Would you say that, you know, gyms reopening is good for mental health? 
you know, um, yeah, you know, you know I, I, to... yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's that's another thing. Um, when COVID started, personally, I said to myself, you know, you've been talking about meditation. I, I do a one. I've been doing a one meditation, one minute meditation for years. So when COVID started, I dedicated myself to doing a daily fifty. So when I wake up in the morning, I put on this weird looking. Uh, it's a Bluetooth speakers with an eye mask on, and I and I do a fifteen minute guided meditation every morning with a guy from England. I have discovered, like British women, that English men put us all to sleep. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a joke. That's true. Uh, so. For my mental health, I started meditating that 15 minutes every day, guided meditation. For my mental health, I stopped drinking. For my mental health, I started walking every day. Um, does exercise help with mental health? Yes. But so does having an active, dynamic tribe, a community that you trust. And one of the nice things about this last few months uh, Saturday night, I went to uh, an American football game. The Friday before, I went to an American football game. And I was around people I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Saturday, I saw my doctor, Dr. Brunetti. I haven't seen, seen him in a couple of years. Yeah. And here's the two of us. And we just started talking. And it was just funny because it was just like we needed to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So more of a yes. social aspect. Yeah. So maybe all the gym does is, you know, I went to, I've been to two movies in a week. I went and saw Dune and I went and saw French Dispatch. I mean, I hate going to theaters because everybody talks and says stupid stuff. But I realized that I think I like going to movies because there's other people around there acting yeah. like idiots, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this fat guy, a couple of rows, oh, that was rude. This man of large proportions got up probably six times during dune to go get more food and i'm like damn i know the movie's three hours how much energy do you need you know ah great so do you for yourself dan do you have any bad habits you know within exercise do i have bad habits in exercise yeah well I think at 64, lifting weights since 1965. Remember, the Beatles had just started when I lifted, started <laughs> lifting weights, okay? <laughs> uh, if, if I have bad habits in my training, that, we better fix it now. Uh, yeah. or, or if I put it in another question, did you have bad habits when you started lifting? In 1965? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Actually, no. I look back and it's like all I wanted to do was put things over my head and pick them up off the ground. Yeah. I still think so. I have a little mission statement about weightlifting put things over your head, pick them up off the ground, carry things for time or distance. That's that's I got started. God, 1965 is when I started thinking that. Uh, no. Um, yeah. I mean, there was everybody goes through a little bodybuilder stage. Um, and then, of course, I fell in love with the bench press there for, oh, three or four years. Um, from 1972 to 1975, I probably bench pressed eight times a week, nine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's fine. I, and when I met Dick Notmeyer, I stopped and I snatched and clean and jerk. And it worked out just great. Um, I was stronger in the bench press at 16 than I was probably any other time in my career. Yeah. 
So, yeah. yeah. So what's your uh, heaviest lift you've ever done um, with bench press? Uh, when I, well, yeah, well, 182.5. Yeah. Okay. So that's like double me. <laughs> well, yeah, but I've benched that probably 10 times in my career for singles. I never felt I needed to go over it. So I would do that, but yeah. I've snatched, do you know kilos better or pounds? Yeah. Uh, kilos. So I snatched 142.5 in competition. I clean 182.5 and I missed a jerk. Yeah. Um, I used to, uh, I used to snatch 135 and clean and jerk 175. It seemed like every weightlifting meet I did that. <laughs> that was just like my standard uh, 135, 175. I, I, I don't know how many times I did those two lifts. And then yeah. I make these big jumps and, you know, so, but uh, yeah, so those, those are good lifts. That was a good, you know, that was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't super. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously, I've been following you on, you know, social media, Facebook and, you know, Instagram stuff. So do you still plan to continue and compete competitions? Yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to lift in a meet this weekend, but then I got a, a, the, uh, here in the United States, we have something called the FBI and I, and I consult with them, but they, and they asked me to go out and do this thing for them. So it worked out. It worked out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to lift this coming weekend, but now I'm flying out, um, I'm flying out a couple of days to go to one of our bases and, and do this and do the work. Yeah. So, and that's okay. Uh, there'll be a, we'll have some kind of local meet coming up. Usually we have a Christmas classic or something like that. Um, uh, I've been, I've been up in my, uh, I've been slowly increasing some of my lifts in the weight room. And uh, I'm doing something right now called three by three by three, which is uh, so three sets of three, three days a week, three different Olympic lifting exercises. So uh, this this week it was uh, squat, snatch, squat, clean, and overhead squat. So squat, squat, squat. So, that's yeah. <laughs> so the hard thing about that workout is after I sit down and talk to you on this podcast, when I go to stand up, it'll be, oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And my dog is doing the same thing right now. Yeah, it's black. <laughs> So serious. Let me say say hi to say hi to Scott. Okay, serious. Serious. Say hi to Scotty. Serious. <laughs> he's he's too busy stretching out. So yeah. But um, so yeah, so I get so three days a week I do uh, I hang, uh, I hang and stretch out. I sit in the bottom of the goblet squat for a while. Um, I do a snatch complex and then I do um, squat this week at squat clean overhead squat. Yeah. So, and then, and then I just do something else and then I go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is one of the things, you know, working in the fitness industry or the sport industry, mm -hmm. what's your pet hate when you, when, you know, sitting in a gym, you know, when you're training in the gym, you know, you'll see young guys, you know, maybe sitting on a bench, scrolling, oh, yeah. scrolling uh, that, Instagram and... Yeah. Well, first off, uh, okay, well, let's break it down into things. First off, rest periods. I think most, I don't even know why people rest in the gym. I, I don't get it. Uh, the amount of time they spend on their phones and they're finding their music and all that stuff, that, that bothers me. Um, the overemphasis on upper body exercise kind of bothers me when I go to a gym, but 
I don't care. You can do anything you want. I'm, I'm glad you're in there. Um, the, the biggest issue, of course, is that people still have this. We have a phrase. It's a bit sexist, but looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Um, these guys, you know, you'll, you'll be very impressed by this 22 year old guy with six pack abs, but if you don't have six pack abs at 22, you're just too stupid to talk to anyway. I mean, how can you not be in great shape from, you know, teenage years? You're, yeah. you burn, you're burning 10,000 calories every time you breathe. Um, yeah, I don't, I could give a shit about how you look at 22. Come see me when you're 64. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and the other thing too, is that I'm stronger than these guys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And yeah, I got to feel bad for these guys, even these personal trainers are 24 and they're wearing their shirts, showing off everything. And I'm stronger than them, which is just, which, which I enjoy actually, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the biggest thing I know is how weak people are. Uh, the loads, the, the loads just, uh, they're just so light. Um, I don't even know. And so they, they do a lot of repetitions, but <clears throat> they, they would get more for increasing the load. No, totally. Yeah. That's, but it's a hard thing. I mean, you know, lifting weights is it can be scary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, what's your best memory of your fitness journey? It's funny you say that. At the, uh, in fact, I might even have a piece of paper in here somewhere. At the Olympic Training Center. Um, wow. The Olympic Training Center, they asked us to write down our highs and lows, you know. So yeah, this yeah. is from, so this is from, uh, so this one is from 1991. Let's see what it says from the original one. Ha! Huh. That's funny. Hmm. <laughs> There's many. But in my book, 40 Years with the Whistle, I go through these in, it's, it's funny to look at them now. It's interesting because the 142.5 snatch is in my top three memories. Yeah. Um, when I came back as a discus thrower, I had retired for a long time because of academics and life. And I came back and I threw my first, uh, I threw about a 57 meter throw in a, in a track meet after about six years of being just a full-time teacher and coach. And I came out and decided to take it seriously. A 57 meter throw, hello, that's a good throw, man. And then, but the number one memory, and it's an American story, you wouldn't understand it, but uh, I was the worst player in American baseball by far, but uh, it's a long story. I don't want to, how much time do you have? Ah, we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty yeah. of time. So it, it won't make sense to some of you, but my batting average was zero, 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 which means I had never gotten a hit in this okay. league. Of course, the fact that I was the youngest kid in the league by two or three years should have been a thing too. So, we're, of course, we're going to the championship game. And the night before, I grab my baseball bat and I go up to the field to practice hitting because I want to help the team out. And this guy comes by who, it's funny because my daughter, my daughter, my sister Corrine told him, his name's Dale Kirsten, and my sister told him this story at the reunion. And Dale goes, I have no memory of this. And, I, and, and the weird thing, Dale goes, I know who your brother is. He's really famous. I go, and she goes, yeah. He goes, he credits you. And Dale's like, I can't believe it. He goes, because he doesn't even remember it, which is, I think, the best part of the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> so he so he helped me swing a bat and keep my eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball, swing level. So the next day comes up, there's two outs, which again, that doesn't mean anything to your, some of your audience. 
and the captain goes who's up and i said me and the captain said well we're gonna lose but i got up there i kept my eyes open as i had done the whole game i swung level hit the ball and i run and got a hit and won the game for the team wow and i have a trophy in my weight room that says sv67 and it's this tall and it's the only thing in my whole career that means anything to me yeah because everything comes from that little trophy i got trophies that are so big that they wouldn't fit on these shelves behind me yeah they don't mean shit to me and i've got medals and i've got awards ah some of me the the awards i got from schools that when i got like the academic you know the academic athlete award i got that at utah state and at skyline college my junior college that those mean a lot yeah and, uh, some other stuff but that award is the one that transformed my whole life and it taught me that doing extra work on my own and listening to people and practice practice how important practice was yeah so that by far you know that's a story that changed my life so yeah and of course that 142 five snatch was also in my comeback the 57 meter discus throw was after was my comeback you know and these are all clean these are without drugs and uh which is big in my world so yeah no totally and then obviously touching on that so what would you say the you know biggest compliment or feedback you've had um in your journey from someone well that's an interesting question the nicest comment You know, it's funny, I, I, I keep, I learned this at a clinic years ago. The, the guy said, if you're going to be a coach or a teacher, you need to keep a file and call them the file, nice things people said about me. And yeah. so I've got a file called, and it's one of my students, she's a doctor now, but she talked to me about going off to university and uh, being in a weightlifting class where basically by the end of the class, she was teaching the entire class based on the things I taught her. Yeah. So she was teaching goblet squats, snatch, clean and jerk, kettlebell swings. She was correcting people's form. People from the university started seeking her out to, to get help. And she said that my typical student had basically a doctorate in strength and conditioning when they left. Wow. They were all yeah, they all were, they, I mean, there wasn't a kettlebell exercise they didn't know. They knew tumbling, the Olympic lifts, the power lifts. Uh, I spent so, I mean, these kids, I had a room full of female athletes all snatching and cleaning and jerking. And I would have visitors come by and be like, it'd be like, wait, this is the girls class? Yeah, this is basic weightlifting for the girls. And they'd look over and they'd see the girls dropping snatches and cleaning and jerks and you know, kind of <laughs> doing all the, and the high five and, you know, you got this and they'd be like, God, what are your boys like? And I said, well, when my varsity American football team trained, people were afraid to come into the room because <laughs> it was just so freaking aggressive, you know? And yeah. We won a lot of football games because, you know, you win, you win in the weight room. That's where you set the team up. It doesn't, yeah, it, it does matter what you do on the field of play. Absolutely. 
but when you have a team working together it's it's lights out yeah nah totally yeah okay so let's talk exercise so what's your favorite exercise to do and so it could be body weight or you know oh to do oh it's a snatch is the olympic snatch yeah yeah uh this morning i was doing them before anyone showed up i i was warming up with some snatches before anyone got there this morning yeah and uh, i was working now i've been doing this stuff from since 1965 and so as i was clearing this i was practicing this part here where you 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 so as you turn the bar over, you press it up, turn and yeah. press, right? And I was really focusing on it. And I was, as I was pressing, I was pushing myself deeper. And it was like, I just had that moment, like, here I am, been doing this a long time. And it's still, I still have room for improvement. And I thought that was just beautiful. So for me, when I was about 14, I wrote in my journal, which is in, uh, over there, that when I was this age, now the reason it's important, I was 14 and I thought 50 years from now, which is now, right? Yeah. So it's now. What would a good workout be? And I thought, you know, if I just did clean and press and squat snatch, that's all you would need to do. And it's funny because the base of almost every workout I do is clean and press and squat snatch. Wow. <laughs> so this little shithead back in whatever, was it 71, I guess? He was right. <laughs> I was smarter at 14 than most trainers and coaches I know. Yeah. And I'm not being a jerk. It's because actually, I think, and I'll say getting back to this again. Oh yeah. You know, back to your magazine. Magazines, books, you know, this is just one collection I've got. I mean, well, down in this part of the home, I mean, it's a rare place where you, where you don't go like this and see tons and tons of books on strength and conditioning. Yeah. Uh, do you want a tour? Yeah, why not? Sure. So this is my office. And you got the Utah State stuff right there. And you got a discus throwing thing there. And then you just got all these books. Oh, I'll bounce around here. I'm sorry. And then this is uh, this is where I meditate. Okay, there's that meditation thing is right there. There's a whole bunch of books there. Uh, Training with Surdy is my favorite there. Well, staying supple. And then down the hall, this more at Douglas. Oh, um, this is just a bunch of expensive stuff. Uh, and then this is the downstairs. Uh, this is the downstairs area. Um, for those of, if you've got any clients, so that that's from the movie. That's a from Brave. Yeah. And when my grandson saw it for the first time, he said, "Mommy," and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm from. Okay. And then this comes a couple of years ago, Galway won the uh, all Ireland uh, hurling. And that's a, uh, that's 13. That's, and, and this is, and that's my dog's bed and he never sleeps in it. And here's Mr. Black right here. Oh, serious. And then this is a whole other section of the library. Okay. Yeah. And then really nice chess set. And that's me as a, that's me in high school. And that's my babies. That's my babies. Uh, I love games. So that's Connect Four. That's chess. That's tic-tac-toe. And one of my favorite things to do for my brain is uh, I like jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a whole other collection of books. Uh, you can see uh, Brett Contreras' books in there, Marty Gallagher. I mean, just so many authors. A whole bunch of those. Most of those are signed. So I keep those in here. 
And then that's the military stuff I work with, uh, different trips. And then this is just another little uh, library. And then these are my some of my favorite books ever. So, and then uh, do I have a picture of Scotland? I think I do. Do you recognize that place? Yes, I do. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, one of my favorite places in the world. And you can hear me okay, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I don't have time, but I, the, the weight room is uh, over there. Oh, there's my sauna because, you know, everybody could use a sauna, right? And, yeah. oh, and, and always keep everything you're going to touch on the floor because otherwise it will burn the living hell out of you. The other day, <laughs> the other day, I didn't realize this, but I poured the, I had the lotion, you know, and I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to, you know, put some lotion on my hands. I pick it up and I, the lotion not realizing that the lotion is now superheated lotion and i almost lost my ability to use my hand for the rest of the day so, <laughs> no. you can still you can still learn yeah and then <laughs> excuse me if i was to say to you what would be the worst exercise for you to do for me or you know say you walked into a gym and you know it was a trainer was taking a class <sighs> burpees lunges uh bench press yeah for most people this is just my experience folks you're gonna hate this list so so up yours uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, anything that oh that's easily overdone yeah. anything that's easier overdone you know i've never had someone um say we don't do enough 400 meter sprints yeah i've so, never once had someone say you know that we need to do more of is 400 meter sprints yeah. But I guarantee one 400 meter sprint will do more for most of your listeners. Sprint, 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 you know, yeah. uh, under 60 for men, under 67 for women. Yeah. Do that. Get back to me. And hand goes up, but Dan, I can't run that fast. Well, train until you can. Exactly. Well, what do I have to do? Well, you probably have to sprint a lot. Trust <laughs> me. When you run a 50 second, 400 meter and look at your body, you'll probably have six pack abs. Yeah. And then for yourself, um, when you train, do you listen to music? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I do. And people hate the music I listen to. I listen to, uh, um, I use Pandora and my favorite stations. Well, there's, there's only two really. There's a Bossa Nova station I like a lot. Uh, uh, Bossa Nova's Brazilian music. I like Brazilian yeah. music. I like jazz a lot. But we listen, either listen to The Who or Brazilian uh, Bossa Nova. Right, okay, so say you walked into the gym and your playlist is mucked up and, you know, it puts on the worst type of music that demotivates you, that wants you to walk out the gym, what would that be? Oh, for me, it'd be rap music, because I, I find it, I, I find this, the way they just talk about women in rap music, I, I find offensive, and it bothers me when I hear women repeating the lines and not realizing how offensive the lyrics they were. Yeah. Now I can't say that about all rap music. It's, um, you know, I just find I don't I don't like I, I don't like the use of racist and sexist comments. And it's and here's the thing, I'll get I'll be saying something. I'll, I'll be at a party and something will come up and I'll say, well, you know, I'm against that. And and I or I'll say something like, well, that's weird well, what are you, sexist or racist? Well, okay, maybe I am. And then 10 minutes later, this person will be singing along. Same person who called me out for being a sexist will be singing along, you know, all these bitches with their hoes and their... Okay, you can't... You, you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 
Um, yeah, I like The Who. I like, uh, I really like Cashmere by uh, Led Zeppelin a lot. Yeah. Um, whenever that song comes on our station, that's always kind of, hey, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but it doesn't. I don't. I don't need music to get. Yeah, I, I don't need anything to get. No, no. That's you know. Some people need music, but you know, if yeah. you're there to train, you should be able to train without the music. In fact, uh, the, the Soviets did a study a bit a long, long time ago that if you need all that exterior extrinsic stuff, you have bar fear. You, you're, you're not. The more motor, the more. Uh, my friend John Powell is a former world record holder in the discus. He, he texted me about a week ago or something. He said, all motivation is self-motivation. And I thought that's pretty good. So if you need all the nonsense, you know, the loud music, someone slap you across the face, all that crap, that you got your own problems. I always worry about a guy when I'm competing who's just sitting there going. That's the guy I worry about. Yeah. The guy with his listening to his jam and drinking his monster drink and his, I'm not afraid of that guy. <laughs> no, good. And then before the roundup, um, I'm going to give you some quick fire questions. Sure. And then. And you expect you... me to have a quick answer? That's never happened in my whole life. But okay, that's <laughs> okay. So long distance or short runs? I'm sorry, say it again, please. Long distance or short runs? Short runs. Short runs. Okay. Cardio or weights? Weights. <laughs> That's a no contest there. <laughs> okay. I think I probably know the answer to this before I ask you. Crossfit, yes or no? Say it again? Crossfit, yes or no? Well, you know, his original 100 words to fitness is brilliant. It's really, you know, learn new games, you know. You know, eat, eat veggies and fruit you know it's very good um the problem is i think I, I know greg well and i just think that his own demons hurt hurt him yeah so when lauren his ex-wife was programming crossfit i could recommend it i couldn't recommend it probably after what 2004 or five but yeah. if you go back to three three of the workouts from three it's good, it's good stuff yeah okay i'll need to check that out yeah, well, no one will. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they even deleted it because it was it was way too smart. And it wasn't it, it wasn't as crazy politically. Yeah. You know, um, I guess somebody told me that they're actually I I I, I don't even want to know anymore. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um lift fast or slow. Well, th that's do what you can do. Yeah. Um heavy resistance or light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, squat or deadlift uh depends on how, how oh, what your parents are yeah <laughs> cool. uh, if certain people are built to deadlift certain people are built to squat so yeah and then before we round up um you know what let's talk about your business because we spoke about that briefly at the start how you're you know transforming your business etc so where would you like to see your business uh, within a year? Well, if you'd have told me where the business was a year ago, I wonder if I'd believe you today. Um, the, the, I use a model. In fact, it's, I, and this wasn't planned at all, not planned at all, but my friend, I, I loaned this book out uh, to my friend Erica and she just returned it. 
It's called, it's Derek Sivers book, Anything You Want. And uh, I am a crazy fan of Derek Sivers. Uh, Brian turned me on to this guy. And what I like about, so I taught economics for a long, long time. And I always thought I would end up, like I took a lot of business courses when I was young. I always thought I, I have a very good mind for, you know, that, that's not true. I have a geometry, you know, geometry, remember geometry? Yeah. Yeah. My mind is, was put on this earth to be geometry. When I took geometry in class, my teacher, Mr. Sautel told me he had to grade me at a different way. Cause I always got perfect scores and everything. Geometry just made so much sense to my mind given to prove the proofs that's how my mind works yeah here's your givens what equipment do you have what exercises do you like best uh what exercise do you know i can put together a training program forever for you yeah. given those givens then we can do for anything you, whatever you want to do business is a lot like geometry here's here's the here's what you have and here's where you're going so what, what I like about Derek Sivers' approach to, uh, to business and stuff is that, <laughs> like, for example, he says a really interesting thing. When he hires people, he just says to his crew, he goes, okay, we need someone that we need someone to help. Oh, in the, you know, in X. Does anyone know anybody who can help in X? I got a cousin. Does he want to work here? I'll ask. Do you want to work here? Yes, he does. Okay, have him come by tomorrow. That's how he hires. And I read that section. It's like, that's how I hire. Yeah. I just ask people, well, I need, well, I can do that for you. Well, good. Here, I'll pay you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so my business model is I focus on, I focus, well, really one of Sivers's points that's important is you, if you're going to run a business, you need to have two numbers in your head, whatever the number is. I mean, it doesn't, it can be price per thing, or it could be number of subscribers. It could be, and I, I focus on this particular number and that's what I focus on. And if this number is where I want it to be or increasing, then I feel the business is doing fine. And uh, it's a very simple approach to business. But, you know, if you're a gym owner and you just focus on, I don't know, what would be something. Okay. You're a gym owner and you, you focus on, how many kilos everyone lifts in a month? I think that's an interesting number, but your gym's not going to be open very long. No, <laughs> no, totally. if you focus, huh? No, totally. Yeah, it's a great number, and I like it, and I think it would be a really good number for a gym owner to know. Except that's not a very good number to focus on. So, you know, I mean, I've coached teams that were outright, downright horrible. Um, Scott, I don't think you realize how much pressure it is to be an American football coach in America, but I've coached teams that were just terrible. But at the end of the year, we were able to turn things around and be whatever less than terrible is, you know, horrible. Um, but what we did is we just said, okay, here's what we got. Here's what we can do. What are we going to focus on? And the interesting thing, so there's two sides of this, and I want to make sure you can hear this. When I stopped focusing on winning as an American football coach, and I started focusing on, so there's three keys to winning American football, block, tackle, and control the ball. Yeah. So every practice we did that. 
and then we practice situations. So I knew the other teams were faster, stronger, and better than us. But I felt if we could just win tiny little situations in every game, before you know it, our last five games we win. Four of those games we win in overtime because we practiced overtime because the other teams didn't practice overtime. Yeah. So we got into overtime. The kids already knew exactly what to do. They'd run on the field with the play and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. We pra- This is exactly how we practiced it. So <laughs> I, think, I think what I'm trying to say is this. When I look at business, I look at it as a coach. I do. And I, I want you to focus on the things that, that you have control over. Yeah. As a businessman, I had no control over the pandemic. I had no control over uh, the response or lack of response by the Trump administration. We had no direction from them. All I knew is that my in-person work had gone from 40 weekends a year to zero. Yeah. So I was going from my whole business model being workshops. So to nothing. So my income went from this to this. Yeah. I couldn't control the pandemic. I couldn't control the, the lack of information we're getting from the administration. We were getting no. So I built this other thing that I yeah. could control. And that's Dan John University. We built yeah. Brian. Brian no good and then <clears throat> so before the you know the pandemic were you ever thinking about um being an online coach or anything like that so i started online in 1998 yeah okay so i've been answering questions online and putting out information since 1998 what i never thought of doing was charging for it okay yeah um, and yeah i probably think- let a lot of money I probably let a lot of money uh, go south on me. And, uh, but having said that, when we decided to have a product, I'm, I'm comfortable with what it is. Yeah, no, totally. A, a, um, a good friend of mine, um, you know, during uh, lockdown, um, when I was doing classes online and stuff, he says, oh, you, you, should, you, you should be charging, you know. He says, you've paid for your qualifications, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. That's well, it's almost for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount we charge for my site is pretty low, but I'm very proud of it, and I and I and I, I sleep soundly knowing I'm not ripping anybody off, and that's important no. to me. No, good. Uh, yeah. um, but no, um, I really appreciate you giving me your time um, tonight, oh, yeah. Dan. Um, have you get any questions for myself before we round up? Well, all I ask you to do, Scott, is make sure you email me the link so I can yeah. put it on my Wandering Weights newsletter. Yeah, right? uh, don't worry. Um, this will be coming out within the next two weeks. <laughs> um, that sounds great. And listen, I, I enjoyed talking with you, so let's do this again. Yeah, totally. No, uh, thanks for your time, Dan. Cheers. All right, thank you, and we'll talk soon. Cheers.